Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. So very glad to have you with us. A big thank you to our fam members. We're seeing steady uh, growth and people that are joining us and supporting us, and we are so very grateful for that. And if you join the fam, you get access to the armory. There's all kinds of great content that is going up there on a regular basis. And starting January 1, we've actually added another level to those yeah. who are a part of the fam and that is the founders ally and so go to founders.org to check out more about what it means to join the fam yeah i'm excited about uh, getting some bible study materials in there by tom nettles that's going to be uh, getting to be populated pretty quickly uh tom has been writing commentary on uh, most of the scriptures for many, many years and just kind of bite-sized pieces and so we're going to make that available to our fam members as well very good well Folks, there's a new book out. It's called Strong and Courageous, written by the two of us. You're strong, I'm courageous, or I'm courageous. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, which one would you want to take? Which one would you take? You know, I'm younger, but I'm still not as strong as you. You still tie me up in knots, Tom. You know you would. Strong and Courageous, uh, the subtitle, Following Jesus Amid the Rise of America's New Religion. And on the back, there's even an American flag. Look at that. How about that? I don't know if that means we're Christian nationalists. You're a nationalist. You and I are Christian nationalists. I knew it. You've been hiding that from me. We were definitely in the capital. Capital, weren't we? That yeah. must be the case if there's actually an American flag on here. Did, wait a minute. Did you have on a, like a was that? horns and, you know, I, buffalo I was, head? I was not buffalo, man. Okay. That wasn't me. Um, here on the back, uh, they kind of the narrative even unfolds more as um, Dr. Jim Oreck here on the back. He is pastor of the Bullet Lick Baptist Church and author. And he says here, they have blown the silver trumpet blast that summons God's people to war. All right. This book came out. Those words were written long before January 6th, just so everybody knows. That's that, right. Uh, yeah. That's right. So we actually, uh, we're not talking about uh, physical. We don't, we don't, we, we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but we do wage war against those cosmic powers and over this present darkness. And, uh, man, so many wonderful things here. Mark Coppinger wrote the preface. And uh, if you don't know Dr. Coppinger, he's on uh, Wield the Sword and he's got uh, his episode coming out on aesthetics. And he's just great. Yeah, you know, you ought to buy the book just for what Mark writes uh, mm-hmm. in the preface, man. He he is, uh, he's brilliant, he's hilarious, uh, he's clear in yep. his thinking and writing, and uh, he helped us a lot with the book. He actually read it as we were writing it yep. and gave us tremendous feedback. Yeah, uh, we are delighted that this book is out, and uh, Tom and I were just talking before we came on the podcast to um, thanking God that that this work is now published and because there's just it's crazy times yeah we really believe that uh, there is a new religion that is on the rise in America we believe that and we talk about that in this book and we um, you know nowhere do we try to articulate it in such detail that you know it's a full analysis of Buddhism or some some religion that is well known um, but we do identify um, the spirit of this new religion. Mm-hmm. We talk about that. We talk about the leadership of this new religion. And we talk about the false hope, false promises that are associated with this new religion. And it's certainly uh, related to critical theory and the social justice movement and um, the, the general Marxist thought that seems to 
be commonplace mm-hmm. among us today. And there I'm kind of riffing off of Carl Truman's recent book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, where he says the same, um, the same idea that this is just the way that we think now. But we're seeing this, this secularism really harden and begin to uh, express itself in more of our cultural life here in America. That presents all sorts of challenges. It all presents all sorts of opportunities to Christians. And so we really want to try to chart the course and say, hey, what's involved in following Jesus in these times? Yeah, and, and, and this book is born out of uh, the things that we have been grappling with, trying to address over the last several years anyway. I mean, Founders Ministries grew out of a real conviction about the Word of God, doctrinal formulations that come from the Word of God, what those formulations mean for our private lives, for our corporate lives in the church, and for our lives in God's world. And so all of that has sprung uh, out into trying to address these uh, shifting days in which we've been living the last several years. And we get questions all the time. I mean, emails and texts, phone calls and messages through social media of folks in real life situations who are struggling, man, they need answers, they need guidance, and they've appreciated what founders have been doing. And so this book, in many respects, seeks to address a lot of those questions that we have been getting. So I'm, I'm delighted to have this so I can point people to it when those questions come, because if they will uh, follow the line of reasoning that we lay out in the book, then they're going to be, I think, better off at least to start addressing some of those questions. And one of the key things, if nobody gets anything else from this book, if they will come away with the awareness that what we are up against today is not just life in America. It's not just a a kind of a secular pluralistic society. That's not the way it is. That's the way I was raised to think and probably Mm -hmm. could afford to think for a long time. But we are now in a land that is overrun with a new religion. And just like you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, it's okay if you want to be a Jehovah's Witness, you want to be a Mormon, you want to be a Muslim, you know, that's okay. And we can be Christian Muslims. You'd never think that way if you have half a brain cell and you've read the Bible and you call yourself a Christian. Neither can you afford to think any longer that the cultural climate and the the societal movement that we have undergone here in the United States over the last many years, and especially the last few years, is something that you can just say, oh, yeah, we can be Christians and and cooperate with this, be at peace with it. No, it is a pagan religion. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see it as a pagan religion, you're not going to think rightly about it. So if you don't get anything else from the book, at least just read the title and say, there is a new religion in America. It has hardened in the way that uh, many of us had grown accustomed to it. And that hardening has resulted in no opportunity for brokering any peace with it. We yeah. must see it for what it is, call it out and resist it. Yeah. We, I, I think this book will help people really kind of shake the uh, dust off that bad idea of this secular pluralist, uh, pluralistic society. Um, some of this is so basic to our Christian faith, but we've really bought into a lot of lies about our national yeah. life and our cultural life. And so you, you go to Romans 1, you know, or before you go Romans 1, go Calvin. You know, Calvin says our hearts are out of factories. Didn't, didn't Romans come before yeah, Calvin? Yeah, he did. But, okay. you know, I'm kind of working my way backward here. So you got you got Calvin, <laughs> and he tells you, you know, your heart, are, your heart is an idol factory, and which is implied. You're going to worship something. That's why, you know, mm-hmm. that's why the second commandment is there, because you're going to worship something. You're going to worship the one true God, or you're going to worship something else. But you're not going to be not worship. Worshipper, you know, mm-hmm. as much as we talk about the the uh, nuns, the yeah. non-religious. No, we're discovering that what, what now the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1 is true. They, they turn from worshiping the creator 
and they worship the creature, mm-hmm. which is which is what you're going to do, and which is what we're seeing happening in our own society. So you have people that are not going to be suspended in midair. They're going to have a god or gods. They're going to be committed to something. There's going to be a god of the system. There's going to be a general in the culture, a god of the nation. There's going to be some kind of idol there, some or the one true god. He's going to be known and loved, or he's going to be disregarded to the detriment of that particular society. I think somewhere... We, I think somewhere in this book we say, you know, the sin of the Americanites is not yet complete. And mm-hmm. you have that kind of language mm-hmm. that um, righteousness exalts a nation. You know, you have this um, awareness at our foundation uh, of America where it's undeniable that Christian uh, Christianity played a huge influence, a huge role in the cultivation of um, the standards and the principles that were right there at the heart of the beginning of our land. And you go back, this is just a go back and read, read yeah. what some of the original Supreme Court justices said. And you see, okay, there is a, there is an acknowledgement of the necessity of divine law of the God of the Bible. And so when we say one nation under God, it's not one nation under, you know, a doorknob, a doorknob's my God. And right. so this is fine. No, 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 that's not the case. And as we have fallen away from that, new standards start to pop up. And, and the danger is to think, well, we'll just address, we'll address this superficially, you know. Um, so a Burgerfell happened, and okay, what we really need to do is just politically maneuver in order to get rid of of that kind of thing. Or Roe v. Wade, amen to political work, and amen to dealing with what's right on the surface. But here we're trying to get down to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter needs to change so that the fruit would change. Yeah, and and I think we have been played, Christian. Christians in America have been played, conservative Christians, especially Baptist Christians, or those out of a free church tradition, more so. But but really, evangelicals by and large have been played because we do believe in religious liberty, rightly so. We do believe in a proper understanding of the separation of church and state, rightly so, but not separation of God and state. And that's what has morphed in the way that uh, this has been taught to us by the secularists Mm -hmm. is, yeah, you can have your God, you can have your worship inside the four walls of your building, but don't bring that out into the public square. And because we have not been well grounded in what it means to call Jesus Christ Lord, We've said, oh, okay, well, if that's what pluralism means, if that's what uh, separation church and state means, if that's what religious liberty means for everyone, then, of course, we will you know, do that because we are all about religious liberty. And, and what's happening to us, and it's a good thing, it's not a painless thing, is that we're being thrust increasingly back into that pre-Christian context of the first century, and we're in a post-Christian context. But our brothers and sisters— the Apostle Paul, all of the apostles of the Lord Jesus who were faithful, lost their lives because of their devotion to Jesus Christ. They were compelled to say, Caesar is Lord. If you say Caesar is Lord, you keep your head. If you say Jesus is Lord, your head rolls down the street. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are today. We're being compelled to say, you must believe this. You must do this. You must, in essence, say the state is God or some medicine is God, or whoever the high priests are at the moment of, of the, uh, the secular religion who come to you and say, bow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't bow, if you say, no, Jesus is Lord, well, then you get canceled. So the setup is exactly where we have been before as uh, the, the Christian movement. And it's just like we've been so blessed so long by God that we've gotten soft and we've forgotten God. And the Lord says, okay, you know, I'm going to help you remember me. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's so many similarities to what we're going through now. And as you mentioned, that look back, one difference, which puts us in a unique spot, is we are dealing with the um, disassembling of the Judeo-Christian principles right. that were there. Right. Uh, we're, so, you know, in so many ways, it parallels to uh, what we see going on in Israel and the prophets that were calling them. And, you know, as soon as you say that, you just, the instinct of Moody Christ is like, you know, the church isn't Israel. America's not Israel. America's not Israel. Yes, Amen. we know. Amen. <laughs> but there's there's parallels. So you have, the, you have Israel being the people who are falling away from God. And you have this nation, American nation, which is not uh, Israel, and is not the people of God, but were uh, was a nation that was committed generally, broadly to what God has said about how we're going to order our lives, and we are one nation under God, and we're and we're falling away, and have been falling away for some time, and Christians are starting to discover the falling away, that the national civic implications mm-hmm. of falling away. And uh, we're in the middle of recovering. I believe the Christians in America, many of the leaders are in the are in the middle of recovering, saying, OK, what you know, what if I were to go back 200, 300 years, what were the Christians like me saying about our national life, about mm-hmm. our civil life? What mm-hmm. were their expectations? What were their instincts? And I've, we're discovering that they were saying all sorts of stuff that we have neglected. Right. We have neglected, as God says, in uh, through Isaiah, Isaiah 59, he looks down at the evil that's going on in the public square he says you know uh, he he wonders why there's no intercessor why, mm-hmm. why is there no one and you know we we can't point the finger at joe biden or kamala harris and say you know well this is a, this, this is why this happened we really have to say no we haven't been strong absolutely and absolutely the, yeah you, you you take all that blame you laid at the feet of God's people at the Church of Jesus Christ in America today. I've said this uh, over the last many, many months, and um, increasingly so, it's become more clear to me that were this generation of American Christians called upon to establish a new nation, we could not do what those forefathers did that established the United States of America. We don't have the uh, theological uh, philosophical understanding and commitments to the Lordship of Christ in every area. So we have lived off of the largesse of God's blessing to us and how this nation was founded. And we have squandered it over the last several generations so that now we're at a point where we, we don't see the, have any solid ground to stand on because it's been taken out from underneath our feet. And what we must do is come back to say, no, here's what the word says. We need to recover what is true that our forefathers saw and stand on that ground regardless of cost and consequences. So in one sense, and I, I say this without any kind of animosity, but we have seen failed leadership among so much of our evangelical Christian world. Mm-hmm. They were leaders. It's like peacetime generals. Peacetime generals do fine until a war breaks out. And then you need generals that are willing to lead in battle to say, here's where the enemy is. This is where we need to go. This is how we need to fight. And uh, quite honestly, you know, I'm so disappointed in many of our evangelical leaders that have done fine during peacetime and they don't realize, no, the, uh, the hordes are coming over the gates right now and we need to stand up and resist. Yeah. I believe that's a real doctrinal, um, problem too. I do too. I think there, there, many of our leaders, Christian evangelical leaders have been playing retreat Christianity. And that's, right. that's because they, um, 
they believe in defeat Christianity. They really believe that there's a defeated Christ. You know, uh, Jesus says that he came to bind the strong man and plunder his house, but they think that we have a bound up Christ and Satan is plundering his house and we're just kind of holding on. They really believe that that's the setup. Like that's the, that's the Christian life on earth. Some do. Yeah. Some do. And therefore you're in a position of leadership and you're always playing defense. Yeah. It's, Oh, they're They're doing that. Oh, they're doing that. You know, well, what are we going to do? Well, they're going to do this. And so we need to do this. Let's be prepared to defend because this is what they're about to do. And it's like, you know, why don't you, why don't you think about playing offense a little bit? Why don't Mm -hmm. you, you want them thinking about what you're about to do at your institution. I mean, you should be coming out with uh, statements that are not just trying to hedge your bets. Right. right. And that mindset is gone. So, you know, Joshua, I mean, it's a Joshua setup. Like there's the land, go for it. And uh, these people, one of those giants in the land, you know, we don't think that we, (laughs) so we don't want to go. So hopefully, um, this book tries to provide some of that. Why don't we talk about the parts? Yeah, we got three I was parts. just thinking, you know, the, the, we deal with playing defense because you have to. Uh-huh. You know, we're being assaulted on all sides. And so how do you stand? Well, one thing you got to do is defy tyrants. Be willing to stand against those who come and say Caesar is Lord or mm-hmm. anything else is Lord other than Jesus. And to do that, basically all you need is, is faith in the crucified, risen Christ and courage to say, uh-uh. Yep. And, you know, throw me in the fire. That's fine. Put me in the lion's den. If I'm eating, I'm eating. But I'm not going to say Caesar is Lord. I'm yep. not going to bow to what you're saying. And then play offense. Yeah. What's God called us to do? The marching orders haven't changed. You know, what, what we've been called to do as a people of God is go make disciples. We're going to go into all the nations. Man, that's still there. It's not like, oh, no, now we've got to redefine church, redo church. I, I was reading articles last night and I just got sick, you know, about how church post COVID church, what we've got to do differently, how we've got to think differently. I mean, give me a break. Does anybody have a Bible? You know, I mean, did somebody take the Bible from us here? You know, can we still have Matthew eight or Matthew 28, 18 through 20? It's still there. So play offense. Yep. Yep. So uh, defense and offense. I want to talk about these these parts in a little more detail. We st- we open up with uh, in the defense. That's part one. And then part two is on the offense. And then part three, we deal with following Jesus in all spheres. So yeah. we're talking about the church and the home and then in the world. But this defense, you know, w- when we laid this out, we're trying to show the new religion. And this I've been conceptualizing this way more and more. We've got three chapters in this first part, and you have the lie of the new religion, the leadership of the new religion, and the spirit of the new religion. And what is that lie? Well, there's this great hope of this universal equality mm-hmm. and universal autonomy. Imagine. And, you know, imagine. It's, it's John Lennon, it's striking. <laughs> I mean, just listen to that tune. It's just striking <laughs> to me about what, what's going to come and, and come upon us. And the reason we need to see that is because, boy, how do we have, we have adopted a lot of that. And we've kind of mm-hmm. found a way to try to Christianize that idea. So, no, reject that. That's a false gospel. And we're not going to try to abide it in any way. Defy tyrants, the leadership of the new religion. And this is where it gets tough. Um, this is where kind of some of the rubber meets the road because it's one thing to say that, you know, I don't like what Gavin Newsom did. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. It's another thing to say Gavin Newsom's a tyrant who is disobeying his boss. He's disobeying the one who instituted him in that office. Mm-hmm. And that man, his name is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He is rebelling against the King of Kings who actually put him in his position. And 
Gavin Newsom is a minister of Jesus Christ and he's rebelling. And in so doing, he's propagating another religion. In so doing, he's actually advancing a whole nother worldview, which is not surprising that when Joe Biden was uh, allegedly elected, at least in the media, to be the president, Gavin Newsom tweeted, spread the faith. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we're not, you know, I don't think, we're, I, I don't think I'm, we're making stuff up. I'm no, just, we're not. <laughs> but, and it's an important point to qualify right now that by pointing these things out, we are not saying Gavin Newsom needs to start enforcing Christianity and making everybody Christians a la Constantine. We're not talking about mm-hmm. that. Those are two different things. And I think a lot of times Christians have, oh no, man, they'd hear you say, oh, oh gosh, you're talking about trying to uh, employ, have the government employed in the advance of the gospel. No, we're not talking about the governors becoming uh ministers of the gospel, the way that preachers of the gospel are called to preach Christ. We're not asking them to do that. That's not their job. They do have a job Mm -hmm. and God's the one who gives them that job. And they are to do that job under the Lordship of Christ and Mm -hmm. do that under his authority and stay in their lane. And when they stay in their lane and exercise their responsibility and God given authority in a right way, they're not going to be tyrannical. Yeah. And he's not going to be able to stay in his lane if he doesn't fear God. Right. He's not going to be able to do it. Now, you might got, you might get through a guy that is a governor or some kind of uh, mayor or whatever, whatever position of civil authority. And he, I'm not saying he might not be regenerated. Right. But there's a sense of, you know, the kind of the culture we're in and there's still this kind of um, sense of God. There's a God. And I'm so it kind of keeps him tamped down. But that's gone. We, we left that. And so what you have now is yes, the church needs to be telling Gavin Newsom, he needs to remind Gavin Newsom, uh, whom he serves. Yeah. He not only serves the people of California, he serves Jesus Christ who has put him in his office and he needs to submit to Jesus Christ in what Jesus Christ has told him to do in his station and right. his establishment as uh, a civil magistrate under the authority of Christ. So yeah, that's not going to involve um, mandating legislating church attendance and all that stuff. No. But this whole theme is the area that we have not, we haven't been telling Gavin no, what he needs to do. But it also highlights where we have failed even more broadly because it, is, it will do no good to start looking at all the civil authorities and saying, Hey, you guys need to obey your creator. You need to obey the one who put you in the office if we're not making disciples, if we're not out there preaching the gospel and calling men, women, and children indiscriminately, promiscuously to turn from sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to be on a fool's errand if we just focus on that. And so it's not we're putting the civil magistrates in our sights and going after them exclusively. We're just no longer going to exclude them. Mm -hmm. They are included in the overarching responsibility that we have to go and make disciples. Yep. And in chapter three, we talk about resisting anarchy, that this really is the spirit of the new religion. And we've certainly seen that displayed in 2020. We've seen it already displayed in 2021. And this is very helpful because the spirit of anarchy, it's not, you know, we've got the divide in the nation right now. You kind of got the right and the left idea. Well, you've got anarchists on both sides. Absolutely. And so this is the, the new religion is not just, um, found in the left or in the right. It's something that pervades both and expresses itself in different ways and different forms and to different levels in each of those. Part two, we go on the offense, number of um, duties for Christians as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, take responsibility. <laughs> just, That's massive, uh-huh. isn't it? I mean, you, you listen to the way Christians, so many Christian leaders talked about the riots and the uh, the looting and everything that took place over the summer. 
And it's like they didn't believe in personal responsibility. Well, it's interesting. Many of them found it January 6th. You know, they said, oh, how dare these folks? They need to be held accountable. Well, yes, they do. Just like the looters and the rioters of the summer need to be held accountable. And again, anybody that has their eyes open, their ears open, can see the failure of Christian leaders at just this point. By Just go back and compare how they addressed the rioting of the summer with the anarchy in D.C. on January 6th. So they're not saying the same thing. Well, you need to ask yourself some questions why. Yep. And uh, in addition to taking responsibility, we need to rule well. Uh, this is the way to justice in civil relationships. So actually saying what is involved in ruling well. We talk a lot about God's standard if you're going to actually rule well. And then the next one I love is celebrating slavery. <laughs> celebrating slavery. <laughs> embrace the freedom. Embrace the freedom of slavery. Sure, we're all you know? slaves. If you're if you're a Christian, you're a slave. Yeah, and it's the freest slavery that you will ever find. Yeah, because we are free from sin and we're free from the dominion of sin and the yoke of Christ is easy and His burden is light. And uh, you know we word it this way intentionally to say this is what the new the new religion abominates Absolutely. that chapter title. No, we, will, we, we won't be slaves at all. And well, no, you're going to serve somebody. And what we're saying is serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And then facing the danger, the courage to go to a rebel world. You know, there's going to be danger on all sorts, all, all sides right yeah. now. And we're just going to have to have the courage to go and face that. Raising your children is part three, raising your children, educating the next generation, a huge responsibility uh, for Christian parents, huge responsibility for churches as they aid Christian parents in the raising of their children. Yeah. And and then um, duties in the world as well when it comes to telling civil magistrates to and then acknowledge going to the church. Lord Jesus Christ. Just being, being the church. I mean, one of the most significant things Christians can do in America in the 21st century is exactly the same thing that Christians have been able to do throughout history. And that is simply be the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we are never at our best. We're, we're never better than when we are more unlike the world because of our devotion to Christ. Yeah. All of this stuff of trying to appease the world, trying to be liked by the world, and hey, we got to do this out of love, you know, and we want to show how loving we are, so we're going to act like everybody else in the world does. All of that stuff is a dead end. It's a fool's errand because the way the church will impact the world the most is by following Jesus at any cost that makes us look not like the world. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, as things have gotten crazy and as this, um, new religion has advanced and I've been watching the thinking pervading so much of our thought, our times of worship as a church have become sweeter and sweeter to me because, you know, (laughs) I've gotten this pattern of telling my wife, so load up all the kids, got seven kids in the big, big van that's clunky and crazy and got the wife and we're going, uh, we actually have a straight shot. We go straight south down this interesting road that runs about 14 minutes straight to church. And I'm like, here we are ascending up to Mount Zion once again. <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm thinking just the very act of going to worship the God who is invisible in the spirit of the age, just what are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah we're, right. we're, we're, we're assembling and angels are joining in. And we're worshiping this great God. And we're not buying into any of this nonsense that exists in the world of worshiping the creature. We're worshiping the creator. It's become so sweet. And yeah. so as Christians do that, boy, that is a wonderful way to glorify God amid the rise of this new religion. Yeah, we've seen this. I mean, just even recently, it's happened uh, week after week over the last few months is people who've come to church for the first time. And some people have actually moved from other states to come down here and uh one couple i'm thinking of that spent six months you know kind of watching things online before they finally came and she was weeping 
She said, I didn't realize how much I needed this and I had missed just gathering with God's people. So do something radical this Sunday. Go to church. Worship with God's people. All right. Strong and courageous. Following Jesus amid the rise of America's new religion by Tom Askell and Jared Longshore. This is available at a discounted price, and it is so until the end of January. So February 1 is going to go to its regular price, but if you get it in the next few days before the month of January ends, you can get it at a discount. Thanks so much for your encouragement, support. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to The Sword in the Trial today.